So good morning, everyone. Um, it's so lovely to have some, some uh, unexpected faces. Uh, my sister, my brother-in-law, shout out to Tristan. Hey, of course, my wife and so many of you. Don't worry online, we have uh, adhered to the socially distancing standard. So we have a few select people and we know that there are so many of you that want to join us here in the building, but we can't right now. And um, so just for this season, of course, you're online, but uh, I can honestly tell you that I feel your strength and support just behind the, the cameras. And so um, I'm excited for what God has put on my heart to share with you this morning. I am so thankful for the faithfulness of God, you know, the faithfulness of God. When I think about uh, how good God has been to me personally, and even in the hour that we live right now, um, always, you know, just remembering that Jesus Christ is the rock. He is the rock of our salvation. He is our compass. He is our true north, Amen. you know, and so, and though the world seems to crumble around us and those things shift and they move, we can always come back to the rock, to Christ, and say, God, I know you have me. I know that you have me. So I'm just so thankful that we can, you know, go back to that and we can trust in the faithfulness of God. Um, now, I have a message, of course. That's why I'm here, uh, to share a message with you. Um, but it's, it's funny because even though I have this assignment, the more I tried to write this assignment, the more God kept talking about 2020. And I'm like... God, I'm trying to write this message here that I feel I'm supposed to write. Can we really just not talk about 2020 so much? And the more I tried to not write about 2020, the more God kept speaking about 2020. So this morning, we're going to have to speak a little bit about 2020. And here's the thing that as I, as I began to kind of stop resisting, God said, those two things go together. And he began to connect the dots for me. He said, you're not preaching two messages. This is one message, but there's a bridge. And so this morning, we're going to talk what might seem about two distinct things. But in the end, they actually go together, I promise you. So 2020, so I've adopted a new saying in 2020. And um, <laughs> yeah, and, and, uh, and, and I shared this with uh, the Light City students uh, uh, last week. And it goes, it goes like this. And this is something I love to say. If the ending isn't good, God's not finished. Amen. Amen. If the ending isn't good, God's not finished. Amen. So oftentimes, amen, thank you. So, so oftentimes we find ourselves in the middle of, of, of the, the story of our life. And in life, you know, life is like a book. It has some short stories, some longer stories, it has chapters, and sometimes we can find ourselves in a chapter that seems to go on a lot longer than we expected, perhaps, and sometimes we might be in that chapter for so long, we're tempted to believe that it's the final chapter, but God has been reminding me Amen. that he is not just the author, he is the finisher, and the, and the Bible says, right, we know that all things work together for good towards those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So we can know that if the end isn't good, then God's not done. So I hope that encourages you this morning. If you find yourself in a circumstance and something that you've been really pressing at and you feel like, no, the end is for me, you know, if it's not good, it's not God. And you just hang on and you just press forward. God is going to work if you just don't let go. 
Just give it some more time. If you don't understand it, put it on the shelf. That's what I do in my life. There's things that come that we don't understand. We don't always have the, the answer that we want right away, but you can take that thing and you can just trust God and say, you know what, God, I don't have the answers. I don't understand. This seems absolutely insane, but don't allow the enemy to let you close out that chapter in your life. Say, no, 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 that's God. I'm gonna let him finish that one. Okay, so my goal today, if you will allow me. Now I say, if you will allow me, because revelation requires participation. You need an open heart to hear this message. If you don't participate, it's called information, and information will not change your life. So revelation requires participation. So that's why I'm saying, if you will allow me. So my goal today, what I really feel is an assignment from God, is to broaden our perspective. And I've been kind of on this perspective kick for all 2020, uh, and God has just shown me some amazing things, and I really hope to share some of those things and hopefully articulate them well so that God can elevate our perspective to really what he's uh, been, been speaking a lot to me. Now, we understand that in the circumstances of our life, we have to see from a higher perspective to, to, to get out of them. Okay, so, so for example, let me, let me say it like this. When you're going through a situation, right, you'll notice many times you're, you're struggling to find the answer, right? You're right in the middle of that thing. But we remember that the scripture of God talking about himself saying that my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways as far as the heaven is above the earth, or my thoughts uh, over your thoughts and my ways above your ways. So yes, God is saying, hey, I don't think like you do. But it's also an invitation. For God is saying, I want you to come up to sit where I sit. Because if you sit where he sits, you see what he sees, right? So God is, is calling us up higher. He's saying, come up to sit, to sit where I sit and see what I see. Because if you enter God's perspective, you enter into his peace, right? When you enter into God's perspective, you enter into his peace because you see things differently. And then, you know, the, I can see clearly now that, yeah, right? That's it right there. God brings you up to see where, where he sees. And right away, all the situations and circumstances seem so much smaller and the answers start to appear. So that's our prayer this morning. God, bring us up to see, right, where, where you see. Now, we live in an hour, and I don't have to really, uh, you know this already, but fear there is a, an, a great attack of fear, right? And now fear is always trying to attack, but it's, 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 it's no longer something that's kind of lurking in the shadows. There is an overt attack of fear happening around the world. And here's the thing. Fear often masquerades as wisdom. Maybe you're a visual person and you like a visual representation, so maybe this will help you if you think of Halloween and you think of kids dressing up and they put on costumes to pretend they're things they're not. That's what fear wants to do. It has this really shoddy costume hidden in its closet, stitched together with the wrong thread and written on marker that says wisdom. And it goes outside and it puts on its little cloak and runs around because it knows that if it shows you what it really is, you're not going to accept it. So it says, no, it's a great idea to have 72 containers of gasoline in your garage right now and three pantries of food and 3,000 rolls of toilet paper because, hey, the world's falling apart and you might not be able to get this after Christmas. <laughs> now, I'm not trying to say that stockpiling a little bit for, you know, uh, an emergency is bad. 
So don't miss the point. But what I am trying to say is that fear causes us to do things irrationally, things beyond what we, and, and, and it does it by under the illusion of wisdom. Maybe as a, 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 you know, here, let me say this. Fear, 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 this is the objective, okay? Fear wants you to make permanent decisions based on temporary circumstances, right? That's what fear wants us to do. It wants us to make a permanent decision based on a temporary circumstance. And there's so many different examples I could give you. I'll give you a silly one out of my own life. Credit cards. Now, credit cards are uh, an interesting little tool because it just feels good to use one. And I hate to say it, but it does. And perhaps the reason it feels good to use it because it feels like you're spending someone else's money. If you have children, you learn that feeling. And, and, and you know, and it just feel, and, you know, I go to the store and, you know, maybe it's a, it's, you're feeling the pinch of coronavirus in your finances, perhaps. Maybe you're feeling a little more than a pinch. And I'm not trying to make light of that. That's real. But what I'm saying is, you know, you might be feeling a pinch and maybe Christmas is coming up and you, you have that little shiny little piece of plastic over there and, you know, it feels good. You go to the store and there's these things that you want and you just hand them this plastic and they hand you the stuff you want and it's like magically it disappears into something and it just adds some numbers. It's great. It feels good. But the problem with the credit card is that you're not using someone else's money. You're actually using your money from the future. And the worst part of it is, is that you're using your money from the future and you're paying more money to use it by this mechanism called interest than it would have cost if you just paid it today. And so you have it now, you might, you might say that debt isn't a permanent, uh, 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 you've never been in debt then. <laughs> uh, okay, so, 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 so it's a temporary, right? It's a temporary decision, uh, a permanent decision based on a tem temporary circumstance. You, un you understand? And so uh, the assignment ultimately of fear is to weaken your faith and to steal your boldness. It wants to weaken our faith and to steal our boldness. That's why we feel like we're getting hit over the head with fear, right? Fear, fear. It's like when you're chopping wood, you know, when you're chopping wood, if you've ever chopped wood, I chop wood because we've got a wood burner. Okay, well, Sometimes you hit it, and at first it's just a little crack. And then what you do is you keep hitting the little crack, and it becomes a bigger crack, and eventually it splits. That's what fear is trying to do to your life. It tries to get the crack started, and then it hits you again, and it opens it up and hits you again until the point of you're vulnerable so that it can crack and come in there to weaken your faith and to steal your boldness. Now, we heard at the beginning of the year, it seemed like every prophet in Christendom was declaring, and Pastor Alex alluded to this last week, that 2020 is the year of clarity, that 2020 is the year of perfect vision. And we're like, yeah, that sounds great. And then like November, I'm like, more like the year of the roller coaster. More like the, you know, that's what it feels like, right? But we have to ask ourselves a question, if, if we're honest with ourselves, right? We have to ask ourselves a question. Did we miss it? Or is God doing something in a way we never anticipated? We have to be honest with ourselves to ask both questions because sometimes it happens. Did we miss it? it? Was it the year of clarity? 
really? Or is, is God truly doing something in a way we didn't expect or anticipate? I'm gonna ask you a couple questions and you have to forgive me because I'm not a professional preacher. So I'm a little bit rough around the edges. So please, please forgive me. I noticed that there's this little preacher trick that happens when they say we, because they include themselves. And I think that's good. But sometimes by not saying you, it allows people to, res- to escape with personal responsibility. The point of this exercise is for you to af- reflect on your own life. You can assume that I am including myself in everything that I say. So I'll just say that now. But if it's a little bit rough, please forgive me because I don't do this very often. So please reflect upon these questions with me. Did the pandemic ruin your plan? Or did God reestablish his purpose in your life? Did the pandemic confound your path or did it correct it? Did it correct it? Did it complicate your life or did it recalibrate it? Did it complicate your life? Did it make it harder? Are you in a season where it's like, I can't wait for this to be over? Or did God say, no, 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 this, is never, this isn't going to be over because this is a recalibration. Yes. It's called a life of faith, yes. not just a season of faith. Think about this for a moment. The apostle John, you will remember, at the end of his life, he was exiled. You'll remember to the Isle of Patmos. Exiled, in other words, there's nobody else around, okay? He's exiled to the Isle of Patmos, and John receives the revelation of Jesus Christ on this island. That's why we have the book of Revelation, one of the absolute, the most, one of the most profound books and little understood books as well in the Bible. He has this profound revelation. Isn't it interesting that his greatest revelation came during a time of his greatest isolation? His greatest revelation came at a time of his greatest isolation. Sometimes we think isolation is a bad thing, but perspective is everything. You see, God works in ways that we didn't anticipate, that we didn't even think about, that weren't on our radar, that wasn't on our map, that wasn't on our calendar. Have you been under attack? Or have you been being pruned? This is something I've asked myself. Am I under attack, God? The devil, the devil, it's the devil. God's like, actually, it's not even the devil. It's just, uh, it's just poor life decisions. <laughs> Father, he's like, you know, I talk to you like that because I love you. <laughs> are you being attacked or are you being pruned? Now, the unfortunate part of our humanity is that we so easily forget the prayers that we prayed oftentimes, you know, and, and we pray them in sincerity and we really mean them. We really mean them when we pray these things, you know, to God. And, but the, the, the unfortunate part is that we are, we are so quick to forget these prayers that we prayed. And one particular one I think about is the double portion. Put up your hand if, you, if you've ever prayed for the double portion. For those of you online, every hand is raised, pretty much. Not at least 99%. So I'm assuming that if you've been in church or watched church for any amount of time, at one point in your life, you have prayed for the double portion. And the double portion is great. It just sounds good, right? The double portion. The double portion. 
you know, it just, it just feels good. It, it sounds like, a, like, a, like an extra shot of espresso in my latte at Starbucks. The double. It's 2020, God. I'll take the quadruple. All right. Here's the problem with the prayer for the double portion. The double portion means double pruning because you now have double purpose. You follow me? The double portion means double pruning because you now have double purpose. If you want a scripture to back that up, it says to you, who much is given, much is required. Uh, yes. So what if God's pruning is because of your prayer request? What if God's pruning is a result of your prayer request? Come on. I just heard you all sing. I heard you all singing those songs. We thought, you can have it all, Lord. Really? Every part of my world. Really? And while our flesh hates adversity, the truth is, is that promotion often appears in the process of pruning. Pruning is good. It accelerates and increases our capacity to bear fruit. But sometimes we get so caught up in asking God for more fruit, we forget to ask him to expand our capacity. That's why you shouldn't ask God for a million dollars before first asking God for a million dollar vision. You, you see the correlation? You have to have the capacity to receive what God is giving you to be able to effectively use it. It's not that God doesn't want to do it. It's that it's simply a waste and that it will frustrate your life because you don't understand why you have the resources, but they're just pouring all over you and you can't seem to do anything with them because you don't have the capacity to receive it. Think about, uh, uh, you know, those um, like Culligan, you know, or those big jugs of water. Lots of you have them in your home or in the office when you used to go to the office in 2019. And, uh, and you know, they're the, the big jugs. And you have, for example, a glass like this. Mm, good segue. So you have a glass like this and you go to the water jug and you press the button and it's all good until it gets to the top of the glass. Now, if you were to continue to hold down the button, what would happen? The water would flow out of the glass and spill all over the floor and now you're left to clean up the mess because your capacity is not as large as the reservoir that exists preceding it, right? And so sometimes we're, we shouldn't be praying for fruit, we should be praying for vision. Lord, expand my capacity and the fruit will come to fill it. Asking the right question is important. Sometimes we don't have the right answers because we're asking the wrong questions. Think about Google. How does Google work? The success of a Google search is all dependent upon you putting in the right question. If you ask, who is John? That is a very different answer you're going to get than if you say, who is the Apostle John? If you put in, who is Tim? That is going to give you a different answer than if you put in, who is Tim McMorris? So the success of the, of, of, of the answer is predicated upon asking the right question. So we have to reflect and say, Lord, thinking about God's perspective now, maybe I don't need the right answer, but maybe I need you to help me to ask the right question. Yeah. 
You notice God asks questions all the time in Scripture? Gideon, why, why are you over there? Adam, Eve, why are you hiding? See, God is helping them to have the right question so that in the question they can find the right answer. But sometimes we get so caught up in chasing the answer that we're like a dog chasing its tail. And God's saying, no, 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 come up higher, come up higher, come up higher, come up higher, let me show you, let me show you. So promotion and even blessing often appears in disguise. And we believe, I believe that we are in a season of promotion. Can I say the signs are there? The signs are there. I know it doesn't seem like it, but if you grab on, I promise you that we are in a season of promotion. Just allow your faith to dare to believe that good things are coming your way. I promise you, if you just cast out your line, if you just cast out your line, that promotion is coming. So what's important to know? In spite of the challenges we face, you heard the video. We are not alone. We are not alone. We are not alone. And it's a part of this message, and, and, I'm, and I'm so happy that I have the honor to close out the You Are Not Alone series with this message today. So today's title, in case you were wondering, you're like, you haven't even got to the title? <laughs> nope. Take it up with the Lord. Today's title is Who's Got Your Back? Who's Got Your Back? God's got my back. Yes, clearly overqualified Christian. God's got your back, but there's deeper revelation perhaps. Yeah. And so we're going we're gonna to dig into that a little bit. But I'm glad that you know that God has your back. I'm going to tell you a, a story, if that's okay. And if it's not okay, I'm telling it anyways. So when I was uh, 18 years old, <laughs> you already know it's probably a bad story. Yeah. Any story that starts with when I was 18. Uh, when I was 18 years old, uh, I bought my first car. And it was a Z24, uh, 1990 Z24 with the body kit, if you're a car enthusiast. You know, the top of it was red and the bottom of it was gray and it was low to the ground and I was cool. I thought I was at least. And, and it, it not only was it, it was a manual, so it was even cooler. And I was just so excited at this time in my life to have my freedom and to, you know, drive. And, but there were a lot of things going on in my life. And particularly one of them was I had a problem with speed. And I took the signs more of a recommendation rather than the law. And that, you know, isn't a good thing. I've since gained a lot of wisdom. So, you know, please don't worry. But I like to drive fast. And that just was the reality at this time. And at this time in my life, I worked uh, at a factory. And I had to go to work. I was on the morning shift. And I had to be there for 7 a.m. And it was about 6.30 a.m. And this was about 40 or 50 kilometers away. And so I didn't want to be late for work. And um, because I needed this job to pay for the car that I just bought. So, so here I go to work and we lived, I lived with my parents at this time and we lived in a subdivision and I left the subdivision at a reasonable speed because there were children. So I wasn't completely foolish. Uh, but I couldn't wait to get out to the county roads because the county roads were the roads that you could speed without issue. There was never, only, <laughs> woo, she needs to be delivered still. There, was, there, 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 were, there were no, no police ever 
ever on these roads because nobody lived on these roads. The only thing you would find on this road were two ditches and sporadically a, a house salted and peppered throughout the you know, area. And so these were you know, the perfect roads to speed on. Now, at this point in my youth, I'd never encountered the concept of black ice before. And it was November right around this time, actually, funnily enough. And um, so here I go now reaching the county road where the speed limit was probably 60 or 50, and I was probably going um, about 120. I'm sorry, don't judge me. I know so much of you were speeding yesterday, so whatever. <laughs> and uh, so I was going 120 probably in, in this, uh, this road, and this road was a gravel road, okay? This was a, a gravel road, and it had been snowing, and there was a little bit of thin snow, so I didn't really think much about this. And here I am barreling towards uh, um, an intersection, which is a highway <laughs> where the speed limit is at least 80, and so I'm barreling towards this, this, this highway, and I start to hit the brakes, and I notice, oh, that's funny, I'm not stopping. <laughs> and I start to slide towards this intersection at a great speed. And all of a sudden, uh, a sudden, I start to feel this little thing happen inside my chest where my heart feels like it's moving upward. And, uh, and, and I, I start to panic as I realize that there is pretty much no way that I'm going to be able to stop in time. Now, not such a bad thing in the sense of I, my mind started to race quickly and I started to think, okay, just overshoot the road and just go past the road. Great. As I was looking on the left side of me, there's a couple houses near the end and I started to blow by them. Blew by another one. That's a great sound effect, right? Blew by another one. And all of a sudden, as I looked out my left, I saw a semi-truck on the perfect trajectory to intercept me. And as I looked over, time slowed down. I looked over and time slowed down and I had one thought. And I'll tell you just like I thought it. I think I'm going to die. And it was the weirdest feeling. It was the weirdest feeling. Everything was calm. I was moving, the car was moving, and I was moving in slow motion. And I had the thought, I think I'm going to die. And then all of a sudden, time sped back up, and down the right side of my car, there was a flash of light. I didn't see a figure. I didn't see a face, but I saw a flash of light that was almost blinding down the right side of my car. And immediately, my car was thrust into the ground with a force that activated my seatbelt and threw me, if, if I wasn't wearing my seatbelt, out, out of the window perhaps, but it, it, the car came to a halt almost instantaneously when I was going 120 and the, the, the semi-truck leaned on his horn and he jackknifed and he covered the whole, the width of the road and he slid past me and missed me by honestly like this much. The, the, and I watched the tire of the semi-truck, remember my car is really low, right? Roll by me and I just froze. 
And I realized in that moment that the angels of God had my back. I wasn't praying for it. I wasn't super spiritual about it. I believed God. God was in my life. But I realized that morning there was something woke up inside of me that God said, not today. There's still so much more for you to do. And I woke up in that morning and I realized that the angels of heaven had my back. God had my back. Thank you. That's a good story. And thank you for your clapping because I'm alive. And that, that, that really encourages me. <laughs> now, I love what Graham Cook says. We're, we're going to talk a little bit about angels today. And you're going to see how this, how this ties into the perspective of God. Isn't that amazing, by the way? Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Much better than the comforter prop. Just saying. Um, Graham Cook says, Angels are heralds of eternity sent to help mankind break through when they cannot break out. So let's talk about a little bit what the Bible says about angels because there's a lot of things that kind of go around about angels, but I like to build a little bit, little bit of a foundation so we can see exactly what is an angel? Why are they here? Now the Bible says that there are many of them in Revelation 5:11. <laughs> I'm laughing because I always want to use Revelation somehow, but I'm scared to go in there, but this one is like a pretty basic fundamental one. Uh, Revelation 5.11 says, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times ten thousands, or another translation says myriads of angels. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. So if you want, I did the math, 10,000 times 10,000 is 100 million angels uh, just circling the throne at this point. But the idea is countless, okay? In Hebrews 12, it says, you've come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. So we get the idea, uh, the concept here that they're really not numbered. There's like a whole lot of them. And every time somebody encounters a huge host of angels, they can never count them. So they make a guesstimate. Guardian angels are scriptural. Maybe you're thinking, like, ah, is that true? And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's true. Uh, guardian angels are scriptural. Matthew 18.10, this is where we have Jesus now. He's, he's talking, he says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. So Jesus right there tells us, all of these children, they have an angel. Now, this may indicate that there's one specific angel per person. Scripture isn't super clear on that point, but that doesn't really matter. It is very clear that the, the, the mission of the angels and that they are here to, to well, we're going to get into that. We do know that God often sends angels to deliver messages, right? To interact with and intervene in human affairs. We know, of course, the most famous uh, example would be Mary, right? Delivering the, new, the news of, of Jesus, Psalms 91, 11, for he commanded his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Who guards? A guardian. A guardian angel. Yeah. Hebrews 1, 14, 
Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? So there's another one. And here's an interesting statistic. This is, a, this is an American statistic uh, that was done, a, a large group of people that says, despite varying religious beliefs, so these aren't just Christians, okay? These are just people that they polled. Uh, 70% of Americans believe angels exist. And 50, this is, 50% claimed that at least one time in their life, they believed tragedy had been avoided with the assistance from a supernatural being. Wow. Wow. So that just means 50% clued in and the other 50% just aren't aware that their lives have been saved at some point by a supernatural <laughs> being. <laughs> Priscilla Dormus says, not only has our Heavenly Father given us an advocate, the Holy Spirit, who will never leave us, but he sent us our own personal honor guard of angels to guard us wherever we go. To guard us wherever we go. Now, there are different classes of angels. We're not going to get like too into it, but I just want to give you some scriptures so, so we have some understanding. There's different classes of angels. We have, uh, uh, talks about, the Bible talks about archangels. It talks about seraphim, the six-winged angels. That is so cool. Seraphim, cherubim, Right? We hear about angels referred to as princes, and of course, we have fallen angels, which are referred to as rulers, powers, principalities, thrones, dominions, and forces. So when you hear those synonyms in the Bible, they're really talking about demonic forces behind that. They're, they're fallen angels, bottom line. Maybe you're like, well, can I have a really easy definition between an angel and a demon? This is what I would say. Angels have your back. Demons want you back. Angels have your back. Demons want you back. But I heard you singing this morning. I've made up my mind. I'm never going back. I'm never going back. I don't know about you, but I'm certainly not going back. Angels have names, right? Gabriel, Michael are the two that are given to us. And so we can kind of, you know, gather from that that angels have names like humans have names. Now, the ultimate purpose of God's angels are to serve God. That's what scripture says. But much of that purpose is expressed in the protecting and strengthening of the saints of God. Think about Jesus in the wilderness, for example, right? Jesus goes into the wilderness. He fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. And then the scripture says he was hungry. And I, really, I think it's hilarious. It's so matter of fact, right? Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and he was hungry. And, uh, and so, so some ministering angels came to him, right? And so I'd be hungry too. So, so we have ministering angels that shows us that, you know, angels are there uh, expressed in protecting and strengthening of the saints. Psalm 34, 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Amazing. Billy Graham said, Believers, look up, take courage. The angels are nearer than you think. They are closer than we think. Side note, this isn't in here. I had this thought the other day. I'm like, what would it be like to meet the angel who was assigned to your life? And he goes, oh, hey, remember this? Yeah, that was me. Remember that time I cried with you? I protected you. How amazing will that be to, when you think about, yeah, we think about the Lord's with us all the time, but to think about 
the love of God extended to us so much that we have a personal honor guard who walks through life beside us. We are not alone. Now on the other side of it, we'll pass through this quickly. Angels are not to be worshipped, okay? They are divine beings and they are majestic beings, but even John himself, so this is not like, think of the Apostle John we just talked about in Revelation, right? As he was receiving the Revelation, there's one part in the story where he's so overwhelmed by what he sees and by the majesty and he bows down and he worships an angel. And the angel's like, dude, get up. <laughs> he's like, I'm just a fellow servant, man. You think this is glory? You ain't seen nothing, right? So if the Apostle John can fall for it, we kind of need a reminder that like you, you are probably going to see some awesome things, but just remember it's Jesus who gets the, gets the glory, glory for it, right? So we can't talk about angels without talking about uh, this, this story in the Bible. You'll be familiar with it, likely, going back to the time of Elisha, talking about the double portion, right? So, so in, 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 in Scripture, we come to this point uh, in, in, in the story of Elisha, where the Bible tells us that there is a king, the king of Aram, who is coming against the king of Israel, and he, they want to de- they, he wants to destroy Israel. And so he keeps sending his armies out to fight against Israel, but every time he sends his armies out, it seems like they have inside information. So he sends his armies one way, and the army moves, and they're not there. So then he sends his army the other way because he has new information, and somehow the Israelites just keep on, they're, they're one step ahead of him every time. So now he's thinking, the king is, is thinking, okay, somebody's betraying me within my own circle. So he brings his guards and, 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 and the commanders to him, and he confronts them, uh, probably with the punishment of death, you know, saying, hey, Every time I go to make a move, they're one step ahead. One of you is leaking this information to the enemy. And they say, no, 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 we're all with you. But we, we, there's a prophet in Israel named Elisha who speaks the very things you say in your bedroom. So he goes, okay, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to capture this Elisha. So he sends out all his armies, right, to, to, to bring in Elisha. And Elisha happens to be in, in, a, in a city or town at one place, and the, the armies of Aram go, and, and they surround the city. And Elisha's servant runs out in the morning, and he reports, Elisha, King Corona has surrounded us. <laughs> King Corona is on every side of us, and the walls are caving in. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Elisha says, do not be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. See, the assignment of fear is to weaken your faith and to steal your boldness. Weaken your faith. Steal your boldness. And so Elisha asks God, get this. He's saying two things. Sometimes we miss it. Lord, open the eyes of my servant. Do you know what he's saying? Father, bring him up to sit where you sit so he can see what you see. He's praying a prayer of perspective. He's saying, God, 
give my servant divine perspective. And we know the story. He opens his eyes and he sees horses and chariots of fire encamped around them. And what does that do? That builds his faith and makes him bolder to carry out the plan and the purpose of God. Here's a fact that we can't escape in life. We're going to fight some battles. You already know that. I'm, you know, I don't have to convince you of that for sure. But the truth is that we never have to fight them alone. We never have to fight our battles alone. We have a great cloud of witnesses. Of, we have the angels of heaven who assure us that victory is ours if we just don't quit. Just don't quit. Just don't quit. Press on. I'm speaking to you this morning through the camera. If you are in a place where you want to give up, I'm telling you, just hang on. It gets better. This is not the final chapter. Just do not quit. God is going to show himself grand in your life if you just Press on. Do not cave to the fear that wants you to turn away from the goodness of God that you've known in the past and the surety as you walked with him. Do not be convinced in this hour that everything's chaos and that it's falling apart and that God, where are you, God? God is right there. But he's doing things in a way we didn't anticipate and we didn't expect. You hold on and the glory of God will be revealed. Do not quit. Who has your back? First of all, the Father has your back. I love this, um, and those of you who are of (laughs) great wisdom and reading and knowledge will know this name of God, but perhaps you don't, and we, we, we always hear about Jehovah Jireh, right, my provider. We all like that one. Jehovah Jireh, that's like top of my list, right? Jehovah Shalom, God, you know, peace of God, the Lord my peace, right? All these things. But we don't hear much about Jehovah Shema or Jehovah Shama. Forgive me if I'm butchering it, Lord. (laughs) He made up the name, right? But Jehovah Shama or Jehovah Shama, which translates the Lord who is there. The Lord who is there. Who has your back? Jesus has your back. I could give you, like, so many scriptures. I'll give you this one. I will never leave you or forsake you. If there's one thing you can hold on to, it's definitely that God will never leave you or forsake you. But don't turn your back on him. He can't override our will. I mean, he could but he's chosen not to. He promised us that he will never leave us and forsake us. We push through the difficult times, but it's our part as a promise back to God. God, I'm not going to forsake you either. And of course we don't want to, someone who's given his all for us, you know. Who has your back? The Holy Spirit has your back. He's your comforter. He's your friend. He's your guide, right? The Holy Spirit. 
always with you. Right now, he's here. He's with you. He's with you. The holy angels have your back. It's 11-11. Kylie and I have this thing every 11-11. I don't know why, but we always go, it's 11-11. It's like this thing that we do. And we always know that when we see 11-11, we're thinking of each other. Isn't God faithful? You don't always get the things you want, but you always get the things you need. In this case, I both want and need Kylie. The holy angels have your back. Kylie has my back. God's given you people who have your back. God's given you people who will have your back. But sometimes we get so prideful, we don't want to reach out to the people we know God has placed in our life. Can I encourage you this morning? There's people who are in your life right now who are ready to help you. That maybe you have put that aside for whatever reason. But can I encourage you? Just ponder the people in your life. God always has a friend. There is somebody for you. The Bible encourages us to remember that there's more with us than those who are against us. Get off of Twitter. Twitter makes you feel like the whole world is against you. Is everybody against Jesus? No, just Twitter small percentage, (laughs) right? Social media can make you feel like you're this outcast, but it's not the truth. It's not the truth. God, give me your perspective. Think of all the people that have gone before us, right? All the saints that have gone before us, who've paved the way of faith, who fought for the faith, who sacrificed, who gave their lives, who believed this gospel. They are cheering us on. They are cheering us on from heaven. Finally, I want to encourage uh, you with this today in Ephesians 6. To be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. If anything, 2020 has revealed to us we have some holes in our armor. Me personally. And I thank God for it because now I can patch them with God's help, right? There are places in my life that I didn't know I had holes. But adversity has shown me where I'm leaking. And the grace of God now, because I've admitted to the Lord, I'm sorry, God, I didn't see this. Help me. He's right there. As soon as we say, Lord, help me, Jesus is always as close as as the mention of his name. Right? So put on his armor. Remember that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Your, Your fight isn't with people. People are not the problem. God is always faithful. The people around us, our friends, our family, anybody who's human is going to let us down at some point. 
But the Bible says people are not the issue. We are at war with spirits, demons, right? Principalities, powers who war against the spirit who are trying to get us off course. There is a strategy that is trying to get us off course, but God is saying, wake up. It's not people who you are fighting against. It's not people. God doesn't change. God doesn't change. His mission doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We make the decision to abandon. It is not God. So don't allow temporary circumstances to convince you to make a permanent decision that you're going to regret looking back. There are some things up in the air that if you make a temporary decision, you are going to regret it. Your fight is not against people. Now, therefore, put on the full armor of God, not just a piece of the armor. Because if you put on a piece of the armor, you're vulnerable somewhere else. Sometimes we do that as Christians. Yeah, I got the breastplate of righteousness. I live, you know. What about the shield of faith? Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm with the belt of truth, the truth, the highest form of reality, God's word enveloping you daily, right? We get in our Bibles because that's where we find the truth. This, okay, can I give you a visual illustration? Put on the truth. Take it with you everywhere you go. Never take it off the belt of truth and how fitting that it's leather or imitation leather if you're vegan. (laughs) The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I don't care what the world tells you. It wants you to be depressed and sad and angry and bitter. But the last time I checked, the gospel is called the good news. If you don't like the news, then change the channel. The gospel is the good news and nothing can change that. Nothing can change that. I've made a decision in my own life to stop watching the or at least to stop watching it so much. The news will just, we don't have that long. We could talk about that, but we're not, gonna, we're not gonna talk about that. Back to Ephesians 6. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The shield of faith is what gives you the ability to not quit. It's the shield of faith. The devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom? Meaning not everybody can be devoured. When you decide to not quit, I just won't quit. That decision alone, the devil goes, let's go find somebody else. I'm tired, I'm tired of this. I won't quit. I'm going to go find somebody else who, who will quit. 
just the, the, you know, I don't know. I don't know what scripture is the gift of I won't quit. But if you just won't quit, can I just tell you, right? The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. Just don't quit and he will flee. Take the helmet of salvation. And sometimes we pass over this part too quickly. The helmet of salvation. What's the helmet cover? Yeah, your mind. That's where the battle is, right? It is the helmet of salvation that empowers the mind to break through. And finally, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, with all these things in mind, be alert. Don't fall asleep. Be alert and always keep praying for the Lord's people. I'm going to just pray. If you find yourself this morning in a, in a whether you're in here today or whether you're online and you've found yourself on this roller coaster journey and you're just tired of it, you're just tired of being up one day and down the next. You're tired of the uncertainty. You're tired of the news. You're tired of people talking, of gossiping, of telling you things. When the voice of God has become so hard to hear, if it's, if it's become convoluted and you feel like you're just in this waiting period, this waiting period, I want to pray for you this morning. Sometimes, you know, we get you to repeat things, but this is really something that I just, uh, I feel led to just pray over you. And all that I ask, if, if this speaks to you, that you would maybe just close your eyes and maybe just, just get quiet before God and just receive. That's all you have to have, an open heart to receive it. Father, I thank you that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And from this holy desk, God, I release your peace to every person who is hungry for it. Every person, Lord, who has said, God, I am so done with this cycle. I'm so done with the ups and the downs. I'm so done with the doubting. I'm so done with the what do I do? What do I do? I'm so done with asking the wrong questions. I need your perspective. Lord, I pray right now in this room and all over the world that you would release your peace. Be still and know that I am Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this divine moment, God, where you are breaking off the blinders, God, where you are breaking off those things, Lord, which have kept people in a cage, so to speak, trapped in places to those who felt that the last chapter has already been written on their hope, the last chapter that's, has already been written on their happiness, the last chapter has already been written in their dreams. Blow on their life, God. Blow on their life, Lord. And the Lord says to you this morning, I'm not finished. I'm not finished. 
just hold on. Just hold on. This too shall pass. And there are beautiful things coming for you. There are beautiful and amazing things coming for you. Tune out the noise. Guard your heart. Stop letting people, stop letting just anybody have a voice in your life. If they're not saying what God says, respectfully, shut it down. Stop listening to the wisdom of men. People, just get quiet. Shut all that stuff away and go back to what you know, the peace of heart from the Father who loves you. And can I tell you, you win. You win. You win. Bless them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.